Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello there. Part three of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Just rolls off the tongue, old Obi-Wan Kenobi does. As always, as always. Blimey, guys. What did we just watch? <laughs> um, we just literally me and Artif were just speaking just before and um he asked me what I thought of this episode and I said a lot of emotions because well I mean we go through it but I just I feel there's a lot of different points to this episode where your mind is kind of like wow they went there and then you're like oh that's happened so soon and then it's like oh this is interesting and you know I mean there's there's my B movie acting skills of reaction. <laughs> very impressive, uh, very impressive. Thank you, thank you. Um, but I mean, I, I was just also we were just also talking about the amount of time we've had so far is effectively one movie's worth, and it still doesn't feel like enough. Um, and essentially, what we will get, unless we have one of those instances where the last episode is an hour and thirty minutes, you know, and uh, get uh, a slightly longer finale, we will essentially get another movie's worth, which would be two films to kind of explain this story. Which, for some reason, if you watch in the cinema and you have two movies, you think there's so much there, but when you watch it in a series you just wanting more always you're like it's not enough we haven't been able to sit with these characters for long enough when realistically we have and we're sitting with them more so than you would ever get before uh in any other instance but i don't know how you feel about that but that's kind of how i feel when watching these series roll out yeah i mean again like as we were talking before the pod i think this kind of obi-wan series seems to it feels like the the pacing is slower of it, but as we were kind of discussing, I think that's because we've been so used to having Star Wars series like The Mandalorian and Book of Boba, where they're going from planet to planet every episode. So there's a lot of, even though like there's a lot of similar locations that we know in the Star Wars universe, they're kind of jumping around quite a lot. Whereas here, they're spending much more time on. Uh, well, I suppose you know in this episode, well in this series, they are kind of jumping from planet to planet, but with the way that the episodes are they're spending a lot of time on the planet to kind of develop the characters and um and just kind of you know really set the scene for like the characters that we know um as you said um 
but like in this kind of modern uh, incarnation, really. Um, so it's it's yeah, it's interesting. I mean, this episode in particular, as you were talking about it, um, and after my second viewing, I, I found it quite dark actually in tone, you know, um, which is kind of surprising because you know, as we were talking with uh, for the first two episodes, and we felt that there was you know a sort of kid-friendly edge to certain aspects, um, almost kind of a a sort of Disney tone. But in this episode, it was kind of, yeah, it it feels like it's it's gotten darker, actually, in terms of um, just the overall tone and the content of it. And even, like, you know, there's particular points kind of throughout it where it's, like, I mean, you know, it gets surprisingly dark. I mean, we'll get to the the Vader scene in a bit, but, you know, what one noticeable part for me was... um, when they're on the, the mining planet and, you know, they get to the um, the checkpoint with the stormtroopers, just that stormtrooper that gets cut in half by the gate, I thought <laughs> yeah. it was like a really sort of gory addition, <laughs> like, you know, in front of, you know, Princess Leia, who's young and, you know, she's kind of there taken hostage and then gets kind of freed by Obi-Wan. But that, that point where, like, he shoots off the guard and he just gets sort of cut in half, it's a bit like, whoa, like the tone is already, like, you know, a fairly tame action scene is is sort of brought up there at that point, and I was, I was, yeah. So like, and there's different things even like throughout the dialogue, you know, between Obi Wan and and Leia. That I mean, Obi Wan seems quite annoyed throughout the episode at the beginning, um, kind of dismissing Leia and telling her off almost for certain questions and opinions that she has. So it it feels kind of a bit. Bit moody already from that point, and then of course when he's talking about you know her mother and things, you know again it gets quite emotional uh, and quite dark. So yeah, I was. Um, I mean, I, I I like the way that this kind of it again. I, I, you know, the, the first part felt like a slow burn, but then the second part just really just turns up the heat <laughs> uh, to continue the, the you know the euphemism. So yeah, it was uh, an interesting episode to say the least. Um, and yeah, you know, getting to see so much of Vader as well. I mean, as you said, like I wasn't expecting it either to see it like come that much this early on uh, in the series. But yeah, they're really diving into the character uh, just to kind of lay out, you know, at what point he's at and and essentially, you know, what his kind of mission objective is really. Uh, I was also thinking when we got to see a lot of Vader, and then you kind of feel it make it makes sense in the sense of. If you're going to bring Hayden Christensen back, then you're not going to bring him back and just use him for 10 minutes in episode six, are you? Like, you're going to, you have to kind of make it worth its while. And there's, there's, inter- I mean, firstly, we obviously, I feel that's the most badass way of seeing Vader get uh, assembled so to speak, as Vader that we've seen. Like, the tone, like you said, the complete shift in tone in this episode is quite quite a big scale shifter. Um, And you're right in the sense that it's... I mean, Obi-Wan's, he's just got so much... It's really nice because, essentially, he's got so much that he's battling with internally, Mm -hmm. even more so now that he's found out that Anakin's alive. And he's obviously... Not fully shut off from the Force, but I reckon he was probably shut off from the Force to a certain extent. Um, but he's like slowly awakening to it more and more so. And there's a glimpse of him like battling with the situation that Anakin's alive and 
the current situation that he's seeing the Jedi's being hunted uh, and trying to just stay hidden and stay to his task that Yoda gave him. Um, and then there's also the fact of Leia obviously has so much Padme in her that every now and again he's getting these flashbacks of kind of the good old days and the the time he spent with Padme, his friend, and until now. And I feel the the little girl has got some proper acting chops on her as this as this show goes. She turns it on sometimes. There's that scene when they're in that um, I don't know transporter barge is the best yeah. way to call it, shooting across, and she kind of because she's obviously force sensitive and she can read people a lot more than the average just you know behind the scenes as to what's going on. Um, and a couple of times, you know, she kind of clocks. Mm. Hidden meaning, so to speak, behind what Obi Wan's saying, and I find that really, that really interesting and really endearing at the same time. Um, but gosh, this kind of like, I mean, also, uh, James L. Jones back again. Yeah, the voice. I was wondering what was going to happen when Vader spoke. I was kind of what what I was like. Are they going to manipulate? Because obviously Hayden Christensen will voice it on set. Yeah. Um. But I was like, are they gonna? Is he gonna try and change his voice a bit, and then they're gonna manipulate it afterwards to make it sound like Vader? Or, but I mean, James L. Jones, ninety-one, ninety-two now, still rocking out the Vader voice. Absolutely. Yeah, well, why not? Eh? You know, I mean, it's it's kind of almost an ageless voice, isn't it? So, you know, and it's just so. I mean, if he's still alive, what you know, just might as well get him in there, you know. Um, but yeah, I. I there's a few things actually, like um, so. Giving like the episode of rewatch that that transporter scene at first, like I wasn't too like overwhelmed by it anyway. But like giving a rewatch, there are actually some interesting kind of nuggets that you can pull from like their conversation and stuff. And, and yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, I think young Leia, she can turn on the acting chops. There are points where I find her acting is maybe not as as tight as it should be. But then there are other points where it's like, oh wow, like th- this is you know nice and emotional and and I mean, it's quite an emotional role, I think, to play because, like, obviously, Leia is, is has so many questions. I mean, from yeah, kind of in that scene alone, like asking everyone, like, "Are you my dad?" You know, it's like, oh God, she's like clearly, you know, as a ten-year-old child, even as you said, she's quite sensitive to the force and people, and but she's on this kind of journey to find her kind of true um, sort of self, which is again interesting because later on, when we when you know we meet her as uh, you know in in the New Hope and stuff, she's I mean. She's more settled, I suppose, rather than kind of, you know, looking for her background. And I suppose that becomes, you know, that that's just kind of her character and the fact that she is a princess slash politician getting on with things, really, and, and leading, you know, rebellion and stuff. And, and again, also, you know... Oh, it's also sorry. quite a change, isn't it, from, like, the age of 10 to 20? Absolutely, absolutely, you know. And, and also, you know, it, again, a few things with that... Um, with the uh, transport scene, so... I thought it was interesting as well, like Obi-Wan talking about his own childhood and, you know, he, he talks about how he was taken away when he was very young because it's the Jedi custom and he has glimpses of his parents and his, of his brother, maybe. Um, and I thought that was quite sad as well, you know, and again, it kind of, I, I feel that everything kind of post uh, the prequel films starts to show like just how sort of dogmatic and conservative the Jedis were the point where it's actually like they're just kind of cruel you know in in a way that 
I mean, it's understandable, and you know, on the one aspect, but then I don't know. I, I feel like there must have been like a lot of Jedi's who were probably, you know, weren't able to become proper Jedi's because they were so, uh, I don't know, maybe maladjusted, you know, according to like where they had come from. Uh, and it, I don't know. I just felt like quite sad, like hearing Obi Wan kind of talking about it and and never having a connection with his parents. And I'm and I'm again like I'm wondering whether that will be a theme in the series that maybe he does somehow you know, come across his family or has to help his family or something like that. Or maybe his family are used against him in like some sort of hostage scenario or something. Well, I don't know. Or maybe he goes on the, on the discovery to find them again. And maybe that's part of his, his journey. Um, but yeah, I just, I thought that was kind of uh, sad, but also a nice insight into the whole kind of Jedi, um, Jedi order. Wink, wink, you know, name, name <laughs> drop. Um, but also another thing in, in that uh, scene, Freck, the driver. Yes. Do you, do you know who? Did you do a bit of research to see who he's played by? Yeah, yeah, uh, Mr. Zach Braff. Yeah, I mean, like when I read that, I was like, oh my god, like that—that's that was fun, and like, I mean, actually, I, you know, his his voice had something to it, and I was like, oh, he could be someone famous, but it wasn't until I was doing a bit of research, I'm like, oh, oh my god, Zach Braff, like that was fun. You know? um, but but to be fair, the way Zach made his voice sound. I don't know if you heard this, but for me, it like had a tinge of like Seth Rogen. Yeah. And um, when I was, because when I obviously, um, and I, I think I so happened to before I watched the episode, I follow Zach Braff on social media, and he posted a couple of pictures and wrote like Chapter Three Obi One uh, or something along those lines, and I was like, oh, Zach Braff is in the new episode. Um, and then after I heard the guy's voice, um, I was like. Oh, well, it's maybe not him. Maybe he played a stormtrooper. I'm not too sure. Because yeah. I was thinking, that sounds more like Seth Rogen. Is Seth Rogen in the episode as well? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, you're right. It was actually a bit of a, a deeper sort of, could yeah. have been a Seth Rogen sort of voice, yeah. Uh, but I do like their first interaction um, when uh, the, the girl, she goes, oh, we just, we've just got a bit lost um, in, in crops or something. And just we need to find our way to the port. And he's like, that's a weird story. Yeah. No, that's like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but thanks. Uh, thanks for sharing that with me. Um, but again, kind of an interesting point is that, like, as you said, with like Obi-Wan um, laying low, of course, as a Jedi, like seeing Freck and how he reacts to them being like already, you know, friends of the stormtroopers. <laughs> and again, being like, hey, the Empire, you know, bringing order to the galaxy, like, oh, God, much needed. And it's like, <laughs> Yeah, kind of, you know. Um, <laughs> that was quite an interesting, again, insight into the whole um, operations of the Empire, really, and, like, the fact that they do have supporters and, you know, and I'm sure very effective propaganda means that say, like, we are finally bringing order to all this chaos. Um, and again, like, just to kind of reference the beginning of the episode, when we see the Third Sister kind of going into uh, the Inquisitor Council and also talking to Vader, I like seeing those kind of little glimpses of the internal workings of the empire and just seeing the sort of scale they've already grown to within like 10 years, you know, of just having like these massive armies and operations and, and, you know, different teams working for different goals and stuff. It's, uh, yeah, interesting, really. Well, it's also interesting because the other, um, Indira, Indira Varma, who we get to see as Tarn, mm. 
who helps out Obi-Wan later on this episode. But that also gives another insight, doesn't it, in how the Empire was when she was like, well, I joined up when I thought it meant something right at the beginning because yeah. of all the propaganda in the sense of like, we're here to bring order to the galaxy and help people out and everyone's going to get more money from their trades and what they deserve and all this type of stuff. Yeah. And so she obviously ranked to an officer level within that thinking I'm going to be doing something as well gives me purpose. And then she kind of figures out herself along the, along the line that it's not actually what it's meant to be. Exactly. <laughs> ends up helping other people out, but <clears throat> pretty savvy. Uh, not always, we don't always get to see a lot of um, stormtrooper kind of not banter, but stormtrooper chat their dealings we usually get to see them just say hey who's there uh, get shot. And it's like, and like shoot their shots and, yeah, and miss of course miss move along you yeah. know those are the type of stormtrooper sayings but to have that interaction <clears throat> with obi-wan and these these pretty determined or at least one of them pretty determined stormtroopers on this barge i thought was quite i enjoyed that because we just don't get to see that kind of thing always pursued in the yeah. Star Wars. They're 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 so cemented in the lore of Star Wars, but sometimes we don't we get it way more in the animated series, but we don't get it as much here. Yeah, and another thing with the stormtroopers is when they get through the gate, when um Tala like pulls up with the other three stormtroopers. Yeah. I mean, w- one little detail that I noticed is that one of those stormtroopers who comes up to them was female as well. Mm. And so that and again that's kind of interesting that like the Empire's recruiting methods is like essentially everyone and anyone, and of course we see it in um, in, in the newer films like Rise of Skywalker. Of course, you have like you know the kind of the other stormtrooper, you know, uh, with Finn who rebels and stuff. But you rarely like in the kind of older films you see stormtrooper like female stormtroopers really, yeah. um, except for like you know it comes out in the new ones. But like you know, so it's kind of interesting to see it at this time, you know, like in the early kind of. Um, stages of the empire that actually you know they were just full-on recruiting anyone really um uh, especially after the clones and you know uh all that stuff and again you know i, I think it's interesting seeing tala and again the, the beginning of the rebellion is what we're seeing really and and the fact that leia is is a witness to that is interesting because she's you know and she asked her like you know oh can you, can you teach me how to shoot as well and it's like yeah i'll teach you better than those stormtroopers leia don't you worry about that you know so yeah yeah it's interesting to see kind of like because we see briefly um tamura morrison play a disgruntled stormtrooper homeless storm well when you say true more of a trooper i I feel the stormtrooper i don't know if you hear the word stormtrooper so much this is unbeknownst to me i don't feel the word stormtrooper is used as much in the clone wars era they just they were just called troopers more so maybe stormtroopers later thing i'm not too sure on my star wars history there um but clone troopers is what i'm going to call them uh maybe that's what they're called as well but i was it was intriguing to see him because i was like wow that or maybe he was an earlier clone i was like he looks older than boba and boba was made the same time but maybe boba ages differently to yeah Average clones. I think we, when we did the Bad Batch episodes, we discussed oh. this. That yeah. they, they had quicker ages, the clones, than 
look at ages, but Boba was supposed to age like a normal child. Um, as you... was the uh, what was the kid called from Bad Batch? Okay. Omega. That's it. Yeah, they yeah. had the same type of like aging, which was normal aging, really. Yeah, which is again, yeah, that, 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 interesting insight. Like, only ten years later, he's there, like, oh, you know, like, help, spare change, please. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know, I know, but it's it's almost like they've all. I mean, some of them obviously must be still. Well, that would be interesting to see if we come up against any in the old clone trooper um, outfits later on, um, yeah. to see maybe they've they've gone to a higher higher level now because they've been part of the empire, so to speak, um, for yeah. a longer. So that'd be quite interesting, but. Or whether they've been phased out even more, you know. Or maybe they've been phased out, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it'd be weird because they were the whole they were the army. Yeah, I mean, and they were the ones who carried out they were the ones who instigated the change, who carried out yeah. Order sixty six and got the Empire rolling, really. So Exactly, exactly. Um Well what we is quite this episode is, is still quite interesting because I mean, let's move on to Vader in the village. So. Oh Jesus! Here we are. <laughs> Vader in the village. <laughs> um, I mean, I mean, firstly, obviously, we get to a scene where Obi Wan is starting to use his mad skills. Uh, he seems to have more mad skills when he's not facing Vader. Um, <laughs> I just saw yeah. the trooper get sawn in half. Um, but, <laughs> but it was the whole kind of. I mean, they what they did is they took the Rogue One scene and they kind of elevated, well, elevated or kept it on the same level, like you were saying. This is the Darth Vader that they're giving us. It's that kind of, like, he's completely engulfed, so to speak, by the dark side. And as we always, as we always thought, or maybe you thought, I thought, I think a lot of people when they talk about, well, can Obi-Wan meet Darth Vader? Because when they see him in A New Hope, uh, all, but all Vader says is, it's I haven't seen him since, and it doesn't specify. And A New Hope is 10 years after, so a decade is quite a long time to go in between seeing someone. Um, so it perfectly makes sense if they have a few more meetings now in this series, and then that's it for another 10 years. I mean, 10 years or even like, you know, if they had meetings over the next couple or three, four years, it's still, you know, it's a kind of six year span where it's like a long time if they, you know, if Vader all of a sudden is having all these battles with him and then he can't find him, you know, I mean, any time period over like five, six years would be like, uh, it seemed like a fairly long time and uh, would be, yeah, it yeah, would feel be. like he'd, he'd be dead or whatever. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, we get the obviously Obi Wan's open more to the Force now, so he feels the fact that to him Anakin is there, El Vader's there, um, and then we just go for this brutal walk through the streets where he just—I mean, the first instance he drags this guy, throat chokes this guy out of a window, and then obviously this guy's son comes out to stop him. He just snaps the son's neck in front of the mother, like in no time, then finishes choking off uh, <laughs> and killing the dad. Then he like drags another person behind him whilst he's choking. And a whole time, I feel this is all because he's obviously realized Obi-Wan is there. 
Obi-Wan's presence. So he's just trying to lure him out into coming to do something, which is eventually essentially what happens. Obi-Wan obviously tells Leia and everyone to go off and get to that ship. And and now we're in an instance where we're like, oh, we're actually going to get Obi-Wan and Vader chapter three or part three. Here we are. This yeah. is so, and it's in no way could I have predicted the Obi Wan Vader meeting that I thought it might be. Yeah, absolutely. He thought it was a like a premonition at one point at the beginning, and like this was all in his head, and he was just going to get woken up by Leia like a, in a few minutes, going, "Ben, you passed out." <laughs> yeah. But I, I mean, tell so, me what you think. It's uh, bloody hell. I was, I was. Uh, again, you know, like like I was saying with the the stormtrooper who got who gets cut in half, like this kind of episode and series just goes to really dark places at points, almost unexpectedly. And that that Vader scene, I was like, I mean, I loved it, you know, when he just walked on, and you know, the, the atmosphere was just just already created by his breathing, and then the fact that you know everyone kind of deserts the streets and. You know, the Empire's troops like come. I mean, the whole thing was just was menacing and great. Um, and yeah, and then that scene is just so so dark and brutal. Like <laughs> I was there, like wow, like <laughs> this. I, I, you know, as I said, but you know, at points you're like, I'm not sure if the show's for kids or it being aimed at kids or kind of you know, kind of more mature Star Wars fans. But then I see a scene like that, I'm like, whoa, like <laughs> I'm sure a few kids will probably be having a, you know some nightmares. Uh, over Vader, you know, so it's just it was yeah a very intense scene and and again yeah you're you're right it was it was it's interesting to see how Obi Wan is reacting to him. Um, obviously, he's still like super sensitive to him when he when he comes on the scene, um, but then like yeah the 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 battles with him. Um, I mean, at this point, it's just like Vader is really at the height of his strength. And he, he just completely overpowers and dominates him, which was again like quite interesting to see. And um, and I just yeah, I, I, I mean, I, w- I would say it's if, if I would say it's, it's it's just expected really at this point, you know, given that Obi Wan has forgotten his powers and and not really done anything and, and tried to hide, you know, the last ten years, whereas Vader has probably been doing many scenarios similar to this, where he's just walking through various villages on different planets and you know, creating terror, really, and getting people in line. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of unsurprising. But I, I, I'm, I'm curious to see what, how, now that we're, like, essentially at the midpoint, you know, um, at the end of this episode, like, to see how that dynamic between Obi-Wan and Vader will develop and whether we'll see more battles and Obi-Wan will be in a better position or, or how. Because I feel that, right, you know, at the moment, it feels like, I mean, the Empire is just very overpowering, and and Obi Wan and 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 friends are just always on the back foot, and it feels quite bleak in a way. Um, which, again, yeah, it's not it's not surprising, but it, it's um, yeah, I'm I, I'm you know, it'll be I'm curious to see how things will blossom from here for the rebellion, and how Obi Wan will kind of play a part in that as well, and. Um, and yeah, you know, like, and, and essentially, what kind of other characters will will contribute to that? You know, whether it's it's, it's Tala or um, the others, and uh, yeah. So I mean, again, and also seeing the Inquisitors as well, I thought it was quite interesting to see. Um, 
again, the, the, the sort of role that uh, the third sister was playing in that now that she's kind of like, you know, um, elevating to that status. But now she's, I'm curious to see how she'll evolve as like Anakin's right hand woman, really. Mm. Um, and yeah, and essentially like whether she'll be a long-term character or not. I mean, we, we were discussing in the previous episode, the Inquisitors are actually fairly short-lived in terms of their time span as a team within the Empire because they are so unreliable. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering whether she'll be a kind of long-term character or whether she'll be a character that maybe gets sacrificed in the next few episodes as sort of, you know, like the kind of Empire side sacrifice that someone needs to kind of either, you know, will die or you know Anakin needs to suffer something for him to take the rebellion more seriously or something I mean yeah lots of kind of open questions and now that we're at the midpoint it's um who knows where it's gonna go really yeah yeah I I do like I like the the first interaction that we get with Obi-Wan and Vader is like Obi-Wan saying what have you become and Vader's like I am what you made me he's so bitter isn't he Vader he's so bitter um and I watch when watching this episode a second time. I watch it with a friend who's not massively into Star Wars. He remembers watching the prequels a number of years ago. He's familiar with some of the characters, and he asked me because obviously we get this scene where Vader almost is torturing Obi Wan in the dragging him into a fire to burn him. I presume to, but there's like a couple of things I noticed the second time round. The main lightsaber fight between them. Vader just uses one arm the whole entire time, much, and I I think it's he obviously senses that Obi Wan is not as powerful, and then when he's interrupted from torturing him, so to speak, because my friend was like, well, why can't he just use the Force now and just get him? And I was like, I think it's because he's not satisfied. He's mm. not satisfied with. Obi-Wan being like that and defeating him him in that way. He almost wants Obi-Wan to be more powerful so that because I think because mm. he's still I think we see a different Vader in 10 years time obviously but I think he's so, still so bitter about how Obi-Wan what Obi-Wan did to him and bested him that he almost he can't come to grips with just like defeating him at a weaker level. He's like, you need to be back to your best for me to defeat you then to prove that I am the better Jedi. Yeah, that's quite an interesting theory, actually. And, and actually... I feel that's kind of why it's like when he sees Obi-Wan being rescued, so to speak, at the end, he's like, well, I'm not going to do anything here. I will find him again and I will defeat him to prove that I am the top. That's what yeah. that's what uh, I just feel that's he's so egotistical at this point that that's that's why he doesn't pursue him again at that point in time because you can all you can always say we quite easily could have um but yeah i feel that's why he holds back yeah i think that makes sense in a way because you know ultimately he burns him as well which is as we know you know uh, an injury similar to what anakin suffered you know when he fought with obi-wan so it's almost like getting him on like a level term but yeah you i think you're right in that like he, I mean, he probably wants to wants a better fight or expected a better fight, and the fact that he doesn't get it, he's a bit, yeah, like maybe just unsatisfied, and um, and actually, kind of makes me think of of you know when they when they fight in a new hope, and the fact that the, you know a lot of that fight is them kind of sizing each other up as well. 
So maybe mm-hmm. Vader is at that point, like thinking, you know, is that kind of, uh, is he at this point to kind of match me in a fight, you know? And so, yeah, I, I think that's a, a really interesting kind of concept. And I mean, it makes sense, really. I, I, I mean, who knows what, what Vader kind of, you know, what Vader was thinking in terms of the position that Obi-Wan was in. Maybe he was, yeah, expecting like a better fight and the fact that he's not getting it, it's, you know, he, uh, maybe he's disappointed or, yeah, maybe he just wants to, it doesn't satisfy his ego, as you said, you know. Well, I think it also comes into play like that um, when he does eventually uh, strike him down in um, A New Hope. I fear he's not giving his full there to a certain extent, Vader, but I feel because he says you've grown weak, old man, and all these types of things. But then because Obi-Wan is so much at a high level then, I think he can sense how powerful he actually is. And yeah. that annoys him to want him to strike him down. And then when Obi-Wan says, you strike me down, I'll become even more powerful than you can ever imagine. And Vader's almost like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I'll strike you down there. Come on then, become more powerful and I'll fight you then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, we come to the end of um, part three of the Obi-Wan series. And I think we've got a lot to look forward to. I think we've got a lot of lightsabers coming our way. A lot of lights, a lot of sabers. So see you you on the other side of um, part four, guys. Mm